flight school had gone into administration. So that kind of felt like it was um, a giant roadblock then. But even then, I just knew. I was like, if you feel something so strongly, you would regret it. So that's when I then looked into the commercial side. And long story short, I after about a year of me pestering and <laughs> trying a lot of different um, ways to get into aviation, I finally figured my way. That was then the start of where I am now, really. And that is all, I believe that's all down to traveling. Like if I hadn't have experienced that feeling and you know, there was many points throughout my flight training that I felt very uncomfortable because, you know, there's a lot of change and a lot of, you know, overwhelming factors. But that is where you know that your growth is about to happen. And I think traveling did definitely teach me a lot of those lessons as to how to get to here. And I still feel like that traveling is still with me, even though I'm not traveling at the moment. I found that feeling again in my everyday, which yeah, I'm so lucky, but I think also I tried hard for that. But yeah, I think that's definitely changed my life for the better. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Destination Happiness. This episode is, it's been long anticipated. Um, I'm here joined with my best friend, or I could even say my sister, Ashley. <laughs> welcome ash thank you so much for joining me hey oh i'm so so glad we've been meaning to do this for so long so i'm glad we've finally been able to get the chance to do it <laughs> yes me too um so in this episode we are going to talk about our very first time traveling so this was back in 2017 when Ashley and I decided we would travel around Australia and Bali for a total of three months. And at the time, we had no idea how much it would impact our lives. And even now, to the extent of Ashley becoming a pilot, congratulations, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks. So I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about how the journey began, how the story started. So, Ashley, can you kind of talk us through how we decided initially to go traveling? I think it began when we had a careers day at college, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think even just before that, when we were in our statistics class, just sitting there, we were always just the odd two and constantly just dreaming outside the window. And then, yeah, when we had our careers day, I remember everyone going up to like knowing exactly where they wanted to go and what stand they wanted to go to. And I literally remember you, me and you just stood there like two lemons, like where the hell do we go and what do we want to do? Like we were like, well, we don't want to go into maths and like, I I took textiles, I split a needle in half the wrong way round. There is no right way anyways, but like <laughs> there was just nothing that <laughs> we could actually wanted to do. Or like we were just, we both knew that we just wanted to get away and get out of this place. So yeah, I remember at the careers day, we went straight over to the stand that said about having a gap year. And we walked over and we were like, oh my God, like this sounds perfect like this is amazing and we looked at all the videos of them that are showing like what you can do when you go on a gap year and I think that kind of really sparked it for us I think we both thought oh my god like that's actually a possibility and then I still remember us because we kind of spoke about it a little bit like we were like yeah it's what we want to do like there's nothing else we want to do yeah um and then we were like oh let's go shopping in Brighton oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> I forgot about that and then, yeah, so we were literally just going, you know, an average shopping trip, you know, go to a Primark, H&M, all of that. And then we walked past this shop that was called STA Travel. I don't think it's even there anymore. It's still there, but it's been boarded up. It's, I think because of COVID, they um, went into administration or they closed down. Maybe, maybe it's just that branch. I'm not sure. But yeah, it's still there. It's just all boarded up, which is a shame. Oh, damn. I just remember us we literally with all our like Primark bags and everything and everything in our hands we w just walked into the store sat down like oh yes yeah. so like do you want to just talk to us about like what it's like to travel and like some information on traveling because we thought oh yeah we'll just gather a bit of information and then um what and about an hour later we walked out with plane tickets to Australia <laughs> we did didn't we um <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. And then we went back to your house and we said to your mum, oh, um, just to let you know, um, next year we've booked flights to Australia for three months, but it's all right, you don't need to worry about it now, it's ages away. And we were, what, like 17, 18 years old? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I literally remember the, like, horrific look my mum gave me and she was kind of, like, like, signalling. She was like, right, can Soph go home because I need to, like, yell at you or something. (laughs) I was like, I need to leave now because you and your mum are going to have an argument and I need to have the same conversation with my mum. And also my boyfriend at the time, I said to her, I was like, oh, by the way, I'm going to leave you for three months, but it's all right, like, it's ages <laughs> And they were both like, what? Like, oh, and I think he was like, where's my invite? I was like, nah, this is not for you. Because <laughs> we were like, what, we would have been 17? Because, yeah, we were 17 when we went travelling, but it... it it was like under a year away that we booked it for and we booked our flights to Australia and mm. then we booked our flights to Bali. We booked our Greyhound bus pass. Like we literally just went in there for a chit chat and we booked three months of travelling. <laughs> well, like the flights. It was so good though. I mean, it was definitely, it was really exciting. I think because it seemed so far away, we kind of didn't really think about how drastic it was and how much it would affect us. But because it was so far into the future, we just weren't really worried about it. We're like, oh, yeah, it sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, so true. I think we didn't really have the worry of, like... I don't think we actually really thought that deeply into it. We just knew it was something that we wanted to do. And there and then, they obviously convinced... They were great salespeople, convinced us. We booked it. And then I think, yeah, we were just like, well, it's booked now. And, yeah, like, I don't, neither of us either, like, you know, second-guessed it or whatever. We just completely just rolled with it, didn't we? It was perfect. Um, And then what? We spent maybe like nine months um, working, saving as much money as we could. They told us in the gap year event that we needed four to five grand, but we we misheard them. We thought they said 45 grand um, in pounds. Do you remember? We're like, call that's expensive. (laughs) Yeah, I remember thinking, oh God, we can never do a gap year. No wonder why we signed up with STA Travel like right (laughs) on the day. (laughs) <laughs> so cheap <laughs> yeah yeah they're like four to five grand like we, th- we had 45 grand like bloody hell you could buy a house for that but no it's all right we can do it <laughs> so yeah we were saving up as much as we could um i was just working in tesco and you were working in pandora weren't you isn't that mm. Mm. um and then i still remember the date it was the 28th of june 2017 that's when we took our flight to Sydney. Um, we were in. I remember sitting in the North Terminal in Gatwick Airport with you, and I could see because we had a connecting flight in Dubai. And I was because I didn't really know how planes worked then, and I thought, are all these people that are coming to Dubai with us? Are they also going to Sydney? Um, and I didn't realise that they would have different flights onwards from Dubai. And it just all seemed really surreal. We had 30 hours of travel time. So from, I think it was like door to door, um, from London to Dubai, then to Sydney. And then we, then we had to get the train from Sydney um, airport to base hostel. <laughs> oh my God. That night was really strange. <laughs> Just because, like, we it was our first time ever staying in a hostel, and we'd, we'd never even, like, been to one, let alone stayed at one. And then this... I think we got there, and we were so jet-lagged, but, in, like, it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and we were wide awake, like, oh, what can we do? Oh, we should probably go to bed, but we don't want to. <laughs> and um, we, we checked in, but we weren't ready to go to sleep yet. And there was a guy, I think it was this, like, random French guy who'd been in Australia for a while, and he was chatting with us... Um, and then it got super late, so like, right, we should probably try and get some sleep now. So we went up to the dorm, the dorm room, and there was, like, everyone in there was asleep, and we had our bags, and, like, the zips on the bags were really loud, and then we had to, like, find stuff in there. We needed our phone charger and our travel adapter, and then we had to climb up to the top bunk in the creaky bed, and we, we, did, we even said to each other, we're like, should we just get a private room for one night? And we were considering that. And then we thought, oh, no, like, let's just do it. It'll be fine. Save some money. It's only one night. And then I remember, I think I got into my pyjamas, brushed my teeth. 
and then I climbed up to bed and it was so creaky. I think I just lay asleep with my arms crossed and I didn't even move a muscle. I just wanted to go to sleep. And it was the most uncomfortable I think I've ever felt, just like emotionally. Yeah, I think it was just so strange because like we were in this random room. It was pitch blackness. We couldn't see anything. We knew there was bodies like living humans in the room, but we had no idea who they were. We had everything that we belong, like everything that we took with us like in that room as well, like for all we knew that they could like rob us in the middle of the night. Like we just, we were so like new to it all. I just remember us both like having like chats outside the door and then be like, okay, right. We're going to go in there. We'll be fine. We'll wake up in the morning and we, we've still got our bags. Just don't move and don't speak. And we'll we'll reconvene here in the morning. <laughs> it's true. With our, with our torches on on our phones just trying yeah just tiptoeing our way around yeah that was interesting traveling the world has become a huge part of my life over the past few years but often the logistical side of travel such as navigating airports and catching flights can be an overwhelming and stressful experience tasks like packing waking up early traveling to the airport and dealing with concerns like overweight baggage and security checks can discourage people from embarking on long-haul journeys. I've had a few stressful airport experiences, like the time I flew from Vietnam to Cambodia and realised I was in the wrong terminal after queuing for over an hour. Misinterpreting the need to take an internal flight in Vietnam before heading to Cambodia, I instinctively went to the international airport. I almost missed my flight and was panicking so much when I realised it would have been so much hassle and time loss waiting to catch another flight. That's why I love it when you finally get through security, find your gate and take the time to explore the shops. They have so many incredible products that just feed my soul and make me feel better, not just for travel but in general too. When I'm in the UK, I love to explore World Duty Free particularly their products from Mind, Body, Soul, which are super helpful in stressful situations while traveling as they help you relax and feel more at ease, feeling refreshed, ready to take on new experiences. Categorized into relaxed, feel better, better fitness and travel comfort, these products enhance the travel experience, promoting relaxation before, during and long after you've returned home from your trip. I have a few good tips to help make your journey as seamless as possible. Download some music before you switch to airplane mode. Take an empty water bottle with you to fill up after you go through security to stay hydrated. And get some healthy snacks for the plane. I'd also recommend getting an eye mask, neck pillow and some earplugs for the journey to make it a comfortable flight. Mind Body Soul have a great range of hydrating lip balm and moisturiser, which I think is a must. The aircon gets incredibly drying on flights and the last thing you need is to break out just as you go on holiday. Make sure you always stay hydrated and have a backpack to carry water with you, as well as other travelling essentials like sunscreen. The sun is great, but you need to stay safe. Prioritise comfort in your airport outfit and even take a blanket with you as it can get pretty cold on those planes. Even if you are headed to a hot country, it can get a little chilly. I always make sure I have my compression socks with me too, to reduce any risk of blood clots. There are lots of ways you can make your journey as comfortable and as restful as possible. When you're next in London Stansted Airport waiting for your flight, check out everything Mind Body Soul has to offer. Or if you can't wait for your next trip, you can check out their products online and pre-order to any UK airport World Duty Free at worldgtfree.com. Maintaining a healthy routine can be challenging, but some gyms around the world have free trials, so I've enjoyed trying out a few whilst travelling. I've had so much fun trying different yoga classes in Bali, and during my recent trip to the Philippines, found myself surfing every day at local spots and keeping active whilst having so much fun and practising a skill. When bringing back souvenirs for friends and family, consider thoughtful well-being gifts from Mind, Body, Soul. Their natural, ethically sourced products make for meaningful and feel-good presents from your worldly adventures. If you do check it out when you're next at the airport, make sure to tag me and let me know what you think. What did we do in Sydney? Actually, no, I do remember what we did. I remember you and your internal sat-nav 
Well, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I got us back. And I t- every way that I told you it was heading us back, it was just a slightly more scenic route. And I guarantee no one would have seen Sydney Opera House from where we saw it. <laughs> from the motorway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, jaywalking's illegal in Australia, especially on the motorway. <laughs> I mean, there was a, like, pavement. <laughs> but no, it was funny. Um, so, yeah, when we were in Australia, we... Our, our journey was... Well, actually, we I don't think we'd planned anything. We, we had, a, a f- I think, five nights booked in Sydney and then a flight from Cairns back down to Sydney... And then a Greyhound ticket, but we hadn't planned anything in between. Everything was kind of just like make it up as you go along. But I think mm. um, the next day we kind of spoke with the travel desk and help, they helped us create an itinerary because we knew what we wanted to do kind of, but we also wanted to make sure that everything was planned out with enough time. So we did need that assistance there. And also I think it was perfect because the guy that was working at the travel desk was a guy that was just helping out at the hostel in the meantime. And he'd done the whole of the East Coast of Australia. So then he was like, right, I recommend. And I just remember him literally chucking us about 50 leaflets. And we were like, right, let's choose out of all of these of what we want to do. And then we had this like little calendar, like paper calendar thing. And I remember us just drawing out our whole plan. like, And then we drew like a little fish because that was when we we're going to go snorkeling. And like, I remember that. I remember drawing like the fish for snorkeling and then like the camping, the little tent for our camp. Oh my God, I do remember that. I remember that so vividly. (laughs) But it was perfect because it meant that like we knew exactly what we wanted to cover, but then also having like experience from a guy that's literally just done the whole of the trip, Mm. then he planned everything for us. And to be fair, I would not have done it any differently. Like actually it was a perfect amount of time. Like, and it was nice to have, yeah just booked it when we were there because if we'd booked it with the travel company before we got there then it might have been slightly different they might have chose different options yeah true I think we did it well I'm just trying to remember all all the different things we did in Australia we did so much um one of my <laughs> one of my favorite memories is when we went white river water rafting up in Cairns <laughs> Oh my God, that was so much fun. I think like parts of it were absolutely terrifying, but it was bloody hilarious. I just remember when we turned up there and there was like those two groups, do you remember? And there was like, you know, the comfortable, like okay-ish swimmers. And then they're like, this is for the advanced swimmers that can do X, Y, and Z. You know, they can dive and do all the, like this crazy stuff. And we were like, oh yeah, um, yeah, maybe we've picked the wrong group. And they were like, oh, well, just sign the waiver. And then we were like, oh God, I think we actually are gonna die. <laughs> I didn't expect to be fully submerged into the river with trainers on like a full like outfit. <laughs> but they they purposely tipped the boats, but it was so much fun. We were, we were there for ages. We were just like, I think we started from the top of the river and then we went down like um, falling off the edge of the waterfall in our boat. I remember one part. Do you remember the bit where we were like, left on this rock so they they like sailed up the little like raft next to this big rock and then they were like oh just get off for one second and then they were like right see ya and then they just went down this rapid and then they were like right the only way to get back down is to jump into this like rapids and float your way down oh my god I literally think I saw like Jesus or something like (laughs) it went completely white I could not see anything and um, I just remember like jumping into the water and it's those, like, I don't know what kind of rapids they are, but it like pulls, drags you completely under the water, then pops you up again, drags you completely. And it did that like, oh my, I don't know how many times. And you have to like breathe in that like millisecond of a gap that you get as you resurface again. And I just thought, oh my God, well, at least I did what I wanted in life. And then I think I remember at the end, because I still thought I was going through the rapids. I was like holding my breath still. And then I like poked my head up and I was like, oh my God, I'm out. And then I saw all of you guys on this rock, like far away. And I was like, oh, like crap. I was like, I've literally floated away from you all. So then I was like trying to swim. And I think someone like chucked something over to like pull me back. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah, I do remember jumping into the river because I remember how terrified I was and I didn't want to do it. 
and I, I jumped in and I did it and my ears popped when I went under the water because I went so deep and I thought I didn't really need to do that and I'm never doing that again because <laughs> you know when you're about to do something that's scary you're like it's all right because once I do it it'll be fine and I did it I was like nah it, it wasn't fine and I'm never doing that again and to this day I've still never jumped into water from a high rock <laughs> because it hurt my ears Oh my God, yeah. Because I remember you jumped off of that really high rock. See, I didn't jump off that one. I just did the rapid bits. And when I saw you jump off, I was like, nah, screw that. I'm getting back in the raft. (laughs) (laughs) But then um, I remember probably the most (laughs) memorable part of that day was afterwards the the instructor the raft instructor said to us like hey girls like what are you doing after this do you want to go out for a drink later i'm like yeah okay (laughs) now bearing in mind we're in the sticks in the middle of nowhere so you me and you we got ready and then we went back up to meet with him later we met up with him and his friend we went for a drink at some random place and we had a nice time. We were chatting and stuff and getting along well. And then actually, I think we um, we ended up going onto the beach as well and having a bonfire. Oh my God, yeah, that was Mission Beach, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was it. We, we all had a bonfire on Mission Beach into the early hours of the morning. And then it got quite late. We're like, right, we're going to get a taxi back to our hostel. So we called a taxi company and it was ringing and ringing and ringing and there was no answer. And then I called another taxi company and again, there was no answer there. And then it dawned on me that because we're in the middle of nowhere, all the taxi companies were closed and it was a two-hour walk back to our hostel. And they had their car, but we refused to get in the car with them because, you know, it had been drilled into us, never get into a car with a drunk driver. Um, And it was an hour walk back to their house. So we're like, right. Um, They said, do you want to stay at ours? We're like, yes, please. So we walked back to theirs with them, walking through the pitch black forest. And then we hear this curlew (laughs) in the Oh my God. This part, oh, this still, like, if I'm ever, like, sad, (laughs) this just makes me laugh. I just remember, like, when we were walking down that path and... (laughs) I looked at you and your face had gone completely white. And I was like, oh my God, she's like about to die. You were that petrified. And it was a curly, wasn't it? And we heard them, but no, it, it sounded like there was like possessed children in this woods and they were all screaming. It was horrible, wasn't it? And that, like, you just hear this like one, like it was obviously one bird, but it just kept screaming. And it sounded like there was a child like screaming. I remember us thinking like, what the hell have we done? Like we're going to be in a storybook somewhere. Yeah, because we had no idea what a curlew was. We'd never heard of the creature, um, but it's a bird. And it honestly, it just sounds like someone's screaming. It's like, ah! <laughs> and imagine in the pitch black forest, and you hear in the background, ah! And I'm like, oh my God, is someone being murdered? Like, guys, we have to run. And they're like, oh no, it's all right. It's just a curlew. Like, it's all right, guys. Don't need to worry. <laughs> and we thought, are they going to murder us? But no, it was fine. And we got back to their house after walking for about an hour. Um, and they gave us some blankets and stuff to sleep on their sofa. Um, but, like, obviously it's rural. And I remember looking at the blankets and there was, like, spiders woven into them. And creepy crawlies. And I was looking at you and I felt really uncomfortable. I was like, Ash, what are we doing? <laughs> like, how do we get here? <laughs> And then, didn't we, we knocked on his door. What was his name? It was like Tom or something. I think it was Tom. We knocked on his door. We were like, can we both come and sleep with you? (laughs) (laughs) But not in in that way. Just like, because we wanted to stay in his bed instead of on the sofa. So we were like, um, three pins in the bed like proper straight I kept my jeans and my jumper on and I was like this is the worst situation I've ever been in today <laughs> and then oh, we, we stayed the night at his and in the morning like he dropped us home because he'd sobered up but yeah that was um that was in a, a series of events it was pretty interesting <laughs> yeah I think after that moment we were like okay I think we'll be a bit more wise on what we uh, <laughs> agree to next time <laughs> Probably the first stupid thing I've ever done in my life. But in hindsight, like, yeah, it was pretty stupid, but we had fun and nothing bad happened. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) 
cheering me. That was that was interesting. What else did we do? When we went on a scuba diving trip and you didn't want to go scuba diving because you thought you were going to die, so you went snorkeling. Um, <laughs> because you heard a story about someone who nearly drowned when they're done. I mean, that's fair enough. Like, if, you, if you're scared, then don't do it. Oh, my God. Fraser Island. Oh, my God. That was, like, one of the best memories ever. Like, I remember um, on that island, because you had... It wasn't like very um populated, was it? And it had like like giant fence that went round like the little, not like the little town that they had. And if you went out at night, you had to take like a stick, or they called them dingo sticks. And then when you sat on the beach, like you'd have to like yeah, like warn them off, sort of thing. Yeah. But I remember one of the nights, um, we were like, oh, let's go and sit on the beach and like see if we can see the stars. And yeah, we went out to the beach. It was like a little group of us. It was so nice, but it was like pitch black. So there's like no light pollution there, like nothing at all, especially when like when the like town starts like going to sleep. I remember sitting on that beach and then your eyes like slowly adjusted to it all. And honestly, to this day, I've never seen anything more spectacular. Like looking up and you genuinely see the Milky Way wrap its way around the sky. And I remember us all just sitting there in silence, just looking at it like, I can't even take in how insane this looks right now. Like if you Google the Milky Way, it pretty much looked exactly the same as that. Oh, it was so beautiful. I remember it vividly. Um, yeah, because we were, we were sat on the beach. We really wanted to take a photo, but our phones just did not do it justice. So we just had to take it in and, and remember it and just be present in the moment. I think um, there was this one person who we were with who got managed to get a photo because he was like, oh, I've got a Samsung. Samsung's better. <laughs> but no, it was so beautiful. And actually, um, where I'm living now in rural Australia... I went to a friend's house the other day and he lives, so I live in Dysart, but he lives like way out further um, and there was no light pollution there. And I was looking up at the sky and I could see all the stars and the Milky Way then too. And that's probably the second time in my life where I've been able to see that. It's just insane. Like you just can't, like it's weird to think that that's there constantly, but you just can't see it. Like it's, it really does just like kind of put everything into perspective and you just realize that you're just like this tiny little speck of something so much bigger, but it's actually quite humbling, isn't it? Like you just look at it and you think like, wow, like you're so mesmerized. Yeah. And it makes you think like all your problems, like all your worries and things that play on your mind, they're actually insignificant. It doesn't matter. We're just tiny little specks of dust floating around. We're nothing. <laughs> We're just here living our insignificant lives. <laughs> That's one way to put it. <laughs> but then at the same time, like on the flip side of that, it does kind of make you think about risk and the the kind of risks that you have in everyday life and the anxieties and things like that and the things that you're scared to do. Like, for example, learning to be a pilot. You, you think, well, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I think it just kind of makes you realise that there's so much more out there and that our little bubble it can be so much bigger if you allow it to be and to kind of expose yourself to more. Yeah, just grow and take on every opportunity that you can. Yeah, that was, that was definitely a moment that kind of sat with us and one that we'll never forget. For sure. What else did we do in Australia? Pathetic little things that were just hilarious. Like, I remember we used to, like... It, I mean, it's... I'm so glad I went with, like, my best mate because, like, it's so nice to experience all those memories with you. And, like, it was so funny because we literally are, like, sisters. Like, I remember us arguing over who has the top bunk and... <laughs> we actually did. It was like, I had the top bunk in the last hostel. You need to take this one. I was like, well, no, the last hostel, we both had top bunks. <laughs> <laughs> it was so true and then we'd argue about the aircon. like at the time we'd actually get really like up in each other's grill and get really pissed off <laughs> yeah we so did because I'm like I've got like I get cold so quickly 
And like, I, but I think actually at the time, I can't remember, but we'd always have aircon wars, didn't we? And it was always like, I'm too cold, I'm too hot. Yeah, I'd constantly be cold. I remember at one point I really resented you because I thought I've come all the way to Australia and Bali and I'm wearing a bloody jumper in bed. Why have I bloody come with you? And I remember I just looked at you and I, I had all this hatred. I really resented you. Brilliant. And you were probably brilliant. thinking the same thing, like, we're in this hot country and she doesn't even want to put the aircon on. Why is she like this? This is ridiculous. It's bloody boiling. Oh, I literally, I loved Australia so much. Like, I remember us being on the plane, like, about to leave Australia to go to Bali. And we were both just looking out the window and we were so upset. It's like we'd just gone through a breakup together. And, like, we were just so upset when, like, we were on our flight to Bali like this was meant to be so exciting we were both just like oh I don't want to go to Bali like I want to be in Australia this is so sad Australia's our home and we did we did oh my god speaking of Australia as our home do you remember that I think we're in Byron Bay we were on a walk along the coast oh we saw a spider there that was our first spider encounter (laughs) but then we also were just looking out to the sea and you said I can see myself living here in a few years time and I was like me too and now look at us I'm so glad it's like proper full circle moment yeah so true I love that I love that too but yeah going to Bali um was it wasn't a culture shock but it was definitely a lot different to anything I had experienced before I do recall making a list of um notes in my phone about things I noticed so just off the top of my head was the smell it just had like this um I don't know it just smelled like prawn crackers everywhere and then it was just like so hot like hot and humid it it wasn't like hot like a summer's day in England hot it was just like thick heat and it was hard to breathe and it was just something we weren't used to and Um, You've obviously got the language difference as well and all the motorbikes that are riding around and you don't see many motorbikes around in Australia or England, but there you see more motorbikes than you do cars and it was noisy and it was busy and everyone was shouting and I was like, whoa, like we're here, we're in Bali, everyone's been talking about this place and now we're here. Yeah, I think it was big shock. I mean, it definitely didn't help the fact that when we first got there, we felt so out of depth and there was probably about... It felt like 300 taxi drivers approached us as soon as we got outside of the airport. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, and then we were like, okay, right, let's play this like, you know. We were like, no, 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 the other guy over there said cheaper. Anyways, we thought we'd got a bargain. And turns out by the time we got dropped off and we spoke to other people, they were like, you paid like three times the price. Oh, sweet of you, <laughs> amateur travellers. <laughs> Literally. Oh. And then we went to hospital and... Oh, I remember, because I remember, like, I think it was the first time I got properly, like, Karen. Not angry. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, we went, arrived, and it was our first night in Bali. We had no other accommodation booked, because that's just what, like, we did. We just kind of went along with it as we weren't. Um, and when we arrived there, and they were like, oh, yeah, we don't have a spare room. And we were like, but we've already paid for it. And she was like, well, you know, we don't have the room for you. But, like, <laughs> where is the room? Like, give us a refund then. I remember, like, me, like, um arguing to them for ages and then eventually they found us like a little I don't know to us it'd be like a little Airbnb down the road and then they put us in there and they were like right you don't have to pay anything else and we were like well thank god and we ended up having like the whole place to ourselves if anything it worked out better but there was that guy there sat with us who heard the entire conversation Frank was it Frank from Germany Oh yeah, Frank. <laughs> and um, he said to us, he, he heard our conversation. And he felt really, felt really sorry for us. I think we were we we're arguing with the receptionist for like forty five minutes or something stupid. And there were so many people waiting to check in. I'm like, but there's nowhere to check in. There's no rooms left. They've sold all the rooms. Um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, we went out for burgers with Frank, and that was our first night there. Yeah, that was it. And then. Like we got introduced to everything and it was actually quite handy because they kind of like, yeah, I think Frank kind of let us know what else was there and that kind of started part of our journey. And I think we went straight to the surf camp after that night anyways, didn't we? Oh gosh, do you know what? I can't remember. (laughs) 
our Bali itinerary is all mixed up in my head. I can't remember what order we did things because when you think about our Sydney, uh, our Australia itinerary, it's very um, logical. We went from Sydney up to Cairns and everywhere in between was like in order. But because Bali is an island, you could do it in any order you wanted. But yeah, we started in Seminyak, was it? Yeah, I think it was. And then I can't remember. I know we did Ubud, Seminyak. We went to Uluwatu. Um, we stayed in Lavina. We went to, oh my God, yeah, we went out with Kerry and we went to Gilly Tea. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yes. Oh, we got an Airbnb together and um, we made a dance in the paddling pool, our synchronized swimming. <laughs> and then vowed that we'd never show anyone ever. Oh my God, she must still have that somewhere on her GoPro. Oh my God. And then we ordered food and <laughs> you ordered a soup and it came in a plastic carrier bag. Like like what you get a fish in at a carnival and they completely forgot your guys' order. But you guys are vegetarian and vegan, so I couldn't even share my plastic bag soup with you. <laughs> oh my God, that was so funny. And then I remember when we went to Gilly Tea and we were in that like ferry kind of thing and it was unreasonably hot in there that a lot of people were just passed out the whole trip there and you had to like to get into the boat you had to like basically tightrope around the boat to be able and like hold on to the side to be able to get inside it and there was like there was so many of us there was like over 60 of us crammed in this tiny little boat and it was so unbearably hot I thought I am literally about to die and then when we got out, they didn't even like pull up to like a dock or something. They just kind of like got as far as they could towards the beach. And then we had, they like helped us out or whatever. And then they just lugged our log- our luggage across the beach. They like <laughs> stood in the water, caught it and then just threw it over to the beach. Do you remember? Do you remember? They're like, right guys, you'll have to swim from here. And it's like knee high water, maybe even thigh or, or waist high. <laughs> like, right, guys, this is as far as we can take you. Like, what? What about our bags? They were just chucking them to each other like a conveyor belt, trying to get them out the boat. And I was like, oh, my God, like our stuff is all going to get soaked. Like, this is like, what the hell do we do now? Didn't we spend your birthday up in Lavina? Yeah, we did. And we did like the flying fish and everything. I took you to the spa for your birthday and I didn't realise it was like six hours. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this is why I don't like spas anymore. That spa was like weird. Like that is like I don't know if it's an Indonesian thing, um, but that was str- that was strange. Like I remember us going to this spa at like whatever time it was in the morning, and they like gave us a massage and stuff. But I swear she had actually climbed on top of us, and like I don't know what they were doing. I just remember at one point she was like clapping everywhere, and I was like, "What are you doing? Just making like this like clapping thing." Like, what are you doing? And then after the massage, which really was not relaxing, she then was like pulled back this curtain with like this like shower and with the body wash that was like a bleach body wash to like whiten your skin. And we both, they were like, go, like, go then. And we both just stood there next to each other, like naked in the shower with like this like bleach body wash, like ready for our next like part of the spa day. It wasn't even like a shower cubicle, it was a bath shower. And we're both in there together, like, what is going on? <laughs> and it wasn't even like an actual bathroom. It was just where our beds were. And there was like a curtain. She just drew the curtain and there would just seem to be a bath behind this curtain. And then I remember after they got their like five-year-old to paint our toenails. <laughs> they did. I think I think I got um I think I got painted red. How do I remember that? Um and it took ages. They were doing it so slowly, and we were thinking, like, gosh, like we, we had some plans after this, and we were there for six hours. Like it was good. I loved it, but I just didn't expect it to be so long. <laughs> no, that was mad. Cause I think. I can't remember if it was that same day, but we had that dolphin um, on those little boats and we saw the dolphins at sunrise. Oh my God, that was amazing. Like dolphins are my favorite animals. And that was like one of the best experiences ever being out on the ocean in this like Balinese boat, which was like so beautiful. And yeah, you could just see the sunrise and then these dolphins, like pods of dolphins just kept coming by us. And there was like so many of them. You'd see one pod, of like dolphins like swimming by and then there'd be another and 
that was like insane. I remember that. Oh my God. And do you remember when I said to you, I was like, oh, I just need to speak to reception quickly. <laughs> and I didn't know how long I'd be gone for, but you thought I was just talking to them, but I was um out on a manhunt trying to find a vegan birthday cake for you. I remember that because I remember like lying in the room and I was like, she's been a couple of hours. I was like, where the hell is she? And then I looked around the Airbnb and you weren't there. And I was like, where the hell has this girl gone? It's my birthday. I thought that you were putting banners up outside the Airbnb, so I didn't come out of it for a good hour or two because I thought I don't want to embarrass you. <laughs> and then I think eventually you must have come out and I wasn't there and there weren't any banners and I just disappeared. I was like disappointed and scared. <laughs> But no, so I was riding around, so I spoke to um, the owner, and she got one of the workers to take me on the back of his bike, and we went to a couple of different bakeries, I went to one, and I said, I need a birthday cake, but it needs to be vegan, and there was obviously the language barrier there, so I was like, no egg, no milk, no, no, chicken, not that there'd be chicken in a cake, and um, he didn't have a clue what I was saying, so I was like, oh, no. Nah. Um, so I ended up going to a different bakery, and luckily he knew what I meant. Because actually, um, Bali now is very westernised, and you can find a lot of vegan and vegetarian places so easily. But back then, I really struggled because it was, like, so long ago. Um, it, it's definitely changed a lot since then. But, yeah, I managed to find this bakery who was able to make me a vegan cake. He was like, yeah, come back, like, in a few hours. And, um, and so I did. And then I was on the back of this bike, carrying the cake in one hand, holding onto the bike with the other hand, trying to balance. Like, honestly, my stomach muscles must have been so toned after that. <laughs> I was thinking, like, it's either me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, or the cake's going to get smushed onto the ground. <laughs> but luckily, I managed to cling on for dear life and um, got back, gave it to the owner, and she managed to hide it for me. And then we, we had dinner later on. You were thinking, what's going on? Like, where have you been? You thought I was out for toilet roll or something. And then um, and then she came over with the cake and the candles, and I, we were just singing happy birthday to you. And it was so happy. We were so happy. We had this entire cake to ourselves. I'm pretty sure we at least ate half the whole cake together. Yeah, like on the first night, and then, and then like for the other nights, we're like, right, let's, let's, I think we had cake for breakfast, cake for lunch. That was so funny. Like, I would have loved to have just, you know, like in a film or something, you can just see the like two scenes that are happening. There's me laying on the bed thinking you're outside putting a banner on. Well, actually, Meanwhile, you're like on the back of this scooter balancing a cake going around Bali. <laughs> oh dear, you can't make this shit up. It was funny. It's the small um, memories that I remember the most that are the funniest. It's not the tours that I remember, although like obviously they were memorable too, but it's the small details like that. <laughs> god yeah oh god that's that's what makes it and that's why yeah you have to do this stuff it's just hilarious i remember we were sunbathing um at that same place and i, I looked down and um you know like your elbow but the inside i remember that was sweating and i didn't know that that part of your body could sweat oh my god <laughs> do you remember we um we did it was like a, a full day trip so maybe like six hours there and six hours back to that um famous temple where everyone gets a picture and it's like right in the clouds. Do you remember that day? I think we were there with Kerry. Yeah, we were. And then we went up there and we took a picture of like us because there's like three lanes of stairs. And we've got like a picture of like one of us in each, which is mad actually because that um that place that we went to, if you look at like the background of our pictures, that's where that volcano erupted, like literally a month after we left. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. What volcano? Yeah. Where, where were we? I can't even remember whereabouts it is. I can't remember what the volcano was called, but I know it erupted a month after we left and we were like, oh my God, we were literally like stood like <laughs> at a viewpoint right next to that. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, Mojo Surf. That was so cool. Um, oh God, that was so funny. I just remember like um, them picking us up and then we went on a boat and then we went on like a car ride and this and that. And then we arrived at the surf camp and it was just so cool. Like, it, yeah, everyone was so lovely. 
um like I remember all the instructors were brilliant and we had such a like good group of us so we like stayed there in like mojo surf like accommodation and then we'd like wake up in the morning and they'd have breakfast ready for us and then that was it like you jumped in the back of this like pickup truck with um like all the surfboards and you'd be wearing like your like wetsuit top sort of thing and then they take you to the beach and we'd get there it'd be so early and then you'd do all, like your stretches and everything um and then we'd like run down to the beach and then try and like catch the waves and stuff and I remember Ippy Ippy was like pop up pop up so like when you're laying on the surfboard you'd have to like quickly pop up to like catch the wave and stuff I remember that that was so funny I remember thinking the waves were huge but actually they were probably only knee high I don't think they were even <laughs> knee high I think they were ankle high <laughs> It was so humble there, like no one else was there. It was in the middle of nowhere because Java, I don't know about now, but back then, like it was really stripped back, like really, um, it, it wasn't developed on at all. This, I don't think we had any neighbours either. We had um, home-cooked meals every day. Um, <clears throat> I think it, I think it was run by locals as well, as well as at the expats, because Ippi's Indonesian. Um, but I remember, I think the owner of the Mojo stuff, I think his, his name's Andrew. Um, and funnily enough, the owner of LMBK is also Andrew. I think they're best friends. Um, but yeah, it was just so humble. And they had the beanbags there and we were playing pool. And I think they had a netball court as well or volleyball or something like that. Yeah, it was volleyball. I remember us all playing. It was like, so, like, cause it was such a like good team of us. And like, we did everything together. You'd eat, sleep, like do everything together. I remember as well, like it was weird because you'd come back like after a surf and you'd go to like sit on the beach before you all like get taken back into the car to get, go back to the accommodation. And um, there'd be like all these Indonesian families like sat on like some of our surfboards and just sat along the beach, like staring at us. And we were like, what the hell? But it's actually because, I mean, obviously not really you and me, but we had like some blonde, like completely white British people with us and they'd never seen people with like really white skin before and they just thought it was amazing and they'd always wanted to take pictures of like the blonde girl like the blonde guys and girls didn't they they did <laughs> it was um it was strange I'd never experienced something like that before it was it was kind of cool though we we I think it was a 10-day tour um or a 10-day camp that we were on but then instead of the last day we all decided that instead of surfing again we'd go up and um hike Mount Aijin the um volcano so there's only two volcanoes in the world that have a blue flame and one's in South Africa and one is in Java the um Mount Aijin so the reason why it has a blue flame is because there's sulfur there and, and it burns blue so that was really cool but oh my god didn't you get lost oh my god you yeah, only forgot about the there was one point where um we were like hiking up this um volcano and like Soph was like a bit behind and I was like in between the like uh, like I was way behind the fast walkers but I'd kind of walked a little bit ahead of some people and I didn't know how far we were going so I just kept going and I kept going and kept going and passed all these people. And I thought, why is there like hardly any people up here? And the path just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Then it was like all foggy to one side. So I was like, is that a path that side or is it just a drop? And then someone saw me and they were like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? They were like, come back. They were like, if you go much further, like it's just going to drop off. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, all my team are above, like up there. And they were like, no, 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 no your team will be down there somewhere. They're not going to be up there. And I remember just being like petrified because you don't have a phone. You don't, like there wouldn't even be like whatever up there anyways. Luckily I was with one of the girls from the, t the tour that we were with. I think her name was Yanni. Yeah, Yanni. And then I was like, oh my God. I was like, this is petrifying. I was like, how are we going to find our team? Because not only was there lots of people hiking up there, I think it was Bali International's day or like something like Bali, like I can't remember. It was like a specific day that we were there and it was full of thousands and thousands of people. Like there was, it was like swarms of people. And I thought that's it. That's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. We're never going to find them. But then luckily, like we accidentally just bumped into you as we were walking around all these different places. And then, yeah, that was terrifying. But that volcano was just amazing. Like, I remember seeing like 
Oh, yeah, it was just insane, wasn't it? It was. And um, so, meanwhile, while you were getting lost, nearly dying, falling off the edge of a volcano, I was with Hattie because we had similar walking paces. And <clears throat> the um, the guide who stayed with us, his name was similar to mine, but it was like Selfie. Um, and he took Hattie's phone and was like, oh, I'll just go down and get a picture for you, thinking he'd be like two minutes we were waiting for him, I think maybe like five minutes passed and then 10 minutes passed. And then I think half an hour passed. We're like, has he just stolen your phone? Why would he do that? Like, obviously like they're poor out there. We're like shit, like, um, so had his phone's just been stolen by the tour guide. Um, and we were panicking for ages, but part of us was like, is he going to come back or has he stolen it? And we didn't know what to do. So we waited there for about an hour and then eventually he came back. I'm like, oh my God, like, there you are. Like, we wondered where you'd been. And he, he, he gave us his her phone back. And there was the shittest photo ever <laughs> of, like, <laughs> like a proper zoomed in, like, really blurry photo. And we're like, oh my God, like, thank you so much. Like, we're, we're glad that you're safe. We thought you were just going to be five minutes. And bless him, he risked his life, like, with his flip-flops on, climbing down deeper and deeper into the volcano to get a photo and we felt real bad for him like it was really sad um but yeah like that was just mental do you remember that girl who um twisted her ankle on the volcano on the high cup so she had to pay for these locals to carry her on one of those stretchers they carried her all the way up the volcano (laughs) oh my god yeah that was terrifying as well, though, because, like, there wasn't that much distance between, like, the path and, like, a sheer drop off the volcano. And we, I remember us just talking about it and thinking, like, as we were, like, hiking up there, thinking, how is there not, like, so many deaths every day? Because these paths are, like, crowded. Yeah, they do really risk their lives going up that volcano every day. And also they break their backs as well, like, not even for a lot of money. Obviously, you've got to pay them to carry you up there. But it just makes me feel so sad for them. Like, they're doing all this back-breaking work, literally, for not even a lot of money. We had a lot of fun travelling. Memories for life. (laughs) Memories forever. I love reminiscing on them, too. But, yeah, they really did have an impact on where we... For the past six years, they've, they've really impacted the trajectory of our life since then. They've been significant and... Our, just our general outlook on life too like it's completely changed that and I think if we didn't go traveling what would we be doing now because we definitely wouldn't be where we are today it's so so true like I always think back at it and I'm so glad I did it like it is one of the best things I've ever done in my entire life and it sounds a bit morbid but I remember thinking then and I still think it to this day but if something was to have happened to me and I wouldn't be on this earth anymore I wouldn't I would leave with no regrets because of how much I experienced during that time and how 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 much I think of it and everything like it was just that is living really and I think a lot of that changed when I came back to the UK I know we both felt the same but I remember on the plane back like obviously we were quite upset and I remember getting off the plane and just like prior to us walking back into the terminal to find our family that we hadn't seen for 3 months you and I, if there was a plane for free back out there, we'd be straight back on it. We did not want to go back round that corner, as horrible as it sounds. Like, of course, we love our families so much and we're excited to see them. But I think it was the whole, oh, my God, this is about to end and this is the best time of our life. And I think it was kind of coming to terms with that. I think, yeah, we were both quite down I would say when we both came back from traveling. We were down, especially because like we spent three months, we were inseparable for that time. And then I had to say goodbye to you and and then go off with my dad and and see the rest of my family. Like not only were, not only was I saying goodbye to the whole trip and traveling and being out of my comfort zone and exploring new things, but I was also saying goodbye to you. And it really did pull us a lot closer together. Although I was happy to see the back of you for a little bit. Yeah, same. I like cried when we hugged. I've still got a picture now of us both hugging when we were about to like depart and go back to our normal lives again at the airport. And that picture always like, I can see that. I haven't seen this picture. Yeah, you have to send it to me. (laughs) I don't think I've seen it. I forgot to mention as well, um, 
about our tattoos that we got before we left. I think it was um, maybe the last day or the second to last day before we left Bali. We both got tattoos together just to signify the trip. Oh, yeah, I love that. So I got like a little globe on my wrist, which has um, Australia and like Indonesia, like that part of the world. Um, and then you got your arrow that you designed yourself. Yeah, that's right. So um, I didn't, I didn't want to just get any tattoo because I, I, you know, it's a permanent thing, and I wanted a lot of thought to be put into it. So I was kind of just thinking about what I wanted, and then all of a sudden, that it kind of just clicked what I wanted. Um, so I designed the arrowhead. It's a triangle with a line going through, which means wisdom. Um, and then the arrow tail are chevrons, which means create your own reality. And then the whole arrow, like as a whole, it means keep moving forward. So it kind of just is the whole message and the lessons that I learned from the trip just in one tattoo, really. And it means a lot. I love that. And the nice thing is, is like we designed it throughout our time traveling. Like, remember, there'd be times at certain Airbnbs, I'd like draw something on my wrist or you draw your tattoo that you wanted on the side of your like ribs. And like, we'd keep trying different stuff until we got to the end and we knew what we wanted. And we got it. Yeah, like literally just before we left. Yeah, we had our biro pens, our trusty biros that you have to take traveling for um, forms and things like that. And we were just scribbling on our bodies. I love it. <laughs> it's cute. <clears throat> so cute. But yeah, I think definitely traveling has made a huge difference in our lives. Um, I know that I think you'll be the same, but when we came back from traveling, we just knew that that wasn't it. And that it, that can't have just been, it can't have just been that and we'll never get that feeling again because otherwise we'll never feel like, you know, satisfied again. And I remember us both falling back into like kind of the Monday to Friday jobs, which, which is fine. You know, we were lucky to get like good jobs when we both came back. I went into a state agency and you um, went into your marketing, kind of worked your way up through there as well. But I just remember like thinking like I loved my job. I really did. And the company were absolutely incredible still to this day. One of the best companies I've ever worked for. But I remember thinking after having since been traveling like it opens your eyes up to so much more and you think that the world is so much bigger and that there's so much more to do with your life and there's so much more to live and to not get comfortable and a lot of traveling you learn that the best things happen when you're feeling uncomfortable because new growth is about to happen or you know exciting things are about to change and that's where you make your memories and I remember thinking that and then thinking okay well how can I keep that excitement um and weirdly enough never something that I'd kind of consciously considered before but actually having looked back on it little things do actually make sense to me now but I remember being um bought a trial flight for my 21st birthday all my family club together because they thought it'd be something I'd you know absolutely love because I was fascinated by the engineering of aircraft um I never really thought that it was a thing that could happen I didn't really know that light aircraft really existed apart from like in display shows um and I remember just going for that flight and that was yeah it complete that feeling that I felt what well, you know the freedom and being something small of something so big so much bigger and you know that whole like sense that you get from all of that that is exactly what I felt when I took that first flight and I not only fell in love with aviation, but it was everything else around that. Like, yeah, just it was mesmerizing. And I think I felt like me again when that happened. And I thought, okay, this, this I have to follow. This has the whole of me. This, like, I I can't stop this. And I remember doing it alongside uh, working at state agents. I had no idea what I was doing, quite honestly. I'd saved enough money for a mortgage for a house. And I then thought, I can't buy a house I have to keep following this I had no idea what I could do with it I just thought "Mm, I could fly for a couple more hours and I did that I flew for a certain amount of hours and then I thought this can't just be it like I need to this I need to make I want to make something of this and that's when I looked into doing my private pilot license at Shoreham and yeah I remember doing loads of flights there and then obviously COVID happened and it kind of screwed up my training there and then uh, I got letter through from solicitors and the um, flight school had gone into administration so that kind of 
felt like it was um, a giant roadblock then. But even then I just knew, I was like that feeling that you have, you can't, if you feel something so strongly, you can't just, you would regret it. Like, um, so that's when I then looked into the commercial side and long story short, I, after about a year of me pestering and <laughs> trying a lot of different um, ways to get into aviation, I finally figured my way and I managed to get some help as well um, from different companies and, that was then the start of where I am now, really. And that is all, I believe that's all down to traveling. Like if I hadn't have experienced that feeling and, you know, there was many points throughout my flight training that I felt very uncomfortable because, you know, there's a lot of change and a lot of, you know, overwhelming factors, but that is where you know that your growth is about to happen. And I think traveling did definitely teach me a lot of those lessons as to how to get to here. And I still feel like that traveling is still with me, even though I'm not traveling at the moment, I found that feeling again in my everyday, which, yeah, I'm so lucky. Um, but I think also luck is something that I tried hard for that, but yeah, I think that's definitely changed my life for the better. You say it's luck, but I don't think it is. I think it's hard work and determination. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think you've been lucky at all. Maybe you've been lucky in the fact that you found what you're passionate about so early on in life. A lot of people, maybe they reach sort of like nearer the end of their life and then they find their passion or maybe they don't even find it at all. And um, to be honest, I do believe that the reason why people don't find their passion is because they're not courageous enough to try new things. And this is what I say to so many people who are considering traveling or not even just traveling, just trying something new in general, that they should just have the courage to try these things. Because I remember um, back when I was, I don't know, maybe 20 years old. And I really wanted to join the gym again. I hadn't joined the gym in so long, but I was so scared about stepping into the gym and it being really intimidating. And there's so many people there and I'm afraid that people's watching me and I didn't want to do that, but I had the courage to go back to the gym. And I thought, you know what, like, what am I even worried about? And you can apply that to so many different things in life. You just need to be courageous and then discover more about yourself. That's, that's exactly it. And I think, little things as well like I remember when we went to go and do our skydive and I remember being so so terrified like I only booked it because you forced me to and you were like you know pretty much saying don't be a pussy that I eventually booked and I thought okay right right so I'll do it then um I remember um speaking to my uncle funny enough um who um works in the army and I remember him messaging him saying like Paul I don't know if I can do this like I'm terrified like help me like can you say something that's going to make me feel better right now and I just remember being so scared like I knew it was what I wanted to do because you can't well you can go traveling and not skydive that's perfectly fine but I just for me it was like that I wanted to tick that off but I remember Paul saying to me um like you process fear and excitement in the same way um, a lot of the time you have kind of, kind of similar um, kind of reactions to it. And he said, just think of this as pure excitement, transition that fear into excitement and just think I'm really excited. And weirdly enough, I don't know why, but that stuck to me. People have certain things that happen to them in certain points of their lives and it does work and it sticks with you. And that stuck with me at that point. And it was so weird because I remember being so terrified. And then all of a sudden, I think, when we were going up in that plane, I was fine. Like, I, of course I was terrified inside, but I just kept thinking, oh my God, like, oh my God, I'm so excited. This is excitement, I'm so excited. And that kind of mindset that it kind of flipped me into at that time, maybe it was because I was over scared and it like tipped me into another, I don't know, whatever it was, but that, I, always, I will never forget that. And even throughout my flight training, when I've come up to exams and this and that, and I'm about to like, you know, get super scared and, you know, whatever. I've just thought to myself, this is exciting. Like tomorrow you could have a commercial license or, you know, tomorrow you'll have this or you're going to achieve this from it. And even in my like recent assessment, I remember just thinking in the assessment, enjoy it. Like you've got an hour free in a 737 sim, which is like an, um, your typical airliner, like short haul airliner. Um, I remember just thinking, just breathe and enjoy it. And honestly, I, I feel like that, has carried me a long way and has made me do better in times when I could have 
you know, I could have let my emotion play a bit more of a kind of negative on it. Yeah, it's a really important takeaway for sure. The lead up to skydiving, I was fine. I, don't, I wasn't scared at all and you were terrified. And then as soon as we got in the plane, you was fine and I was terrified and we could just completely switch. So I think, yeah, if you think about it as excitement rather than a negative emotion, then that's really going to help. And if you can apply that to multiple areas in your life, then that's a really important takeaway from there. Yeah, I think there's so many things that we learned throughout that traveling, just being exposed to stuff and different fears and things that we did. I think a lot of that I use as kind of a coping mechanism for my like life and just think, okay, well that happened and I came across it and that was the result. And I think that just helps massively. Like that's why I just know that yeah that that part that period of my life I think because we were young as well it doesn't matter what age but it's so impressionable on you for sure oh well it's been lovely reflecting back on everything and bringing all the memories back to surface I love it it makes me so happy like I miss I miss it all like it was absolutely incredible it was the best experiences ever Soon you can fly all the way to Australia to see me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll come pick you up and be like, jump on my plane. <laughs> come in, we're going shopping. <laughs> we're going thrift shopping. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, No, I'm so proud of you, though. I'm proud of you, too. Thanks, girl. <laughs> love you. Oh, I love you, too. I miss you. I miss you. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've taken away some valuable lessons there and had a chuckle at some of our stories, getting us into um, some weird and wonderful situations, <laughs> like um, balancing on the back of a motorbike with a cake. Ashley's fear of scuba diving because she thought she was going to die, although she did jump out of a plane. Think about those important lessons, like channeling anxiety into excitement and finding that stepping out of your comfort zone will lead you to bigger and better things so just have a think about what you could do maybe this week to challenge yourself and step out of your own comfort zone whether that's something that you've been thinking of doing for a while like I mentioned about how I wanted to go to the gym and just think about what you can do to better yourself and become a better person tomorrow than what you are today. If you have your own travel stories as well, I would love to hear about them. Ashley and I would love to hear about any weird and wonderful journeys that you've been on. Oh my God, Nimbin. Oh my God. <laughs> that was a weird town. Oh, I don't think we even need to mention about Nimbin. No, just Google it. <laughs> yep, Google it. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't really remember much of that day for various reasons. But yeah, it was fun. A very herbal town, shall we say. Yes, um, very connected with Mother Nature. <laughs> oh dear. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Ash. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right, guys, if you like this episode, please leave us a good review, an honest review, as it really helps us boost rankings so that more people can have a listen in and think about how they can step out of their comfort zone and become a better version of themselves. I will see you on the next episode. <laughs>